You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Today's episode of Meeting Pod is sponsored by Lindy. Hi, I'm Chris Scott, host of Meeting Pod and contributing editor at both Meeting Place and Alt Meat Magazines. Our guest today is Dr. Denise Hurd, Vice President of Research Programs at U.S. Poultry and the U.S. Poultry Foundation, where she directs the Association's Comprehensive Research Program, which annually oversees $1 million in research funding and evaluates between 100 and 200 research proposals. Before joining U.S. Poultry, Dr. Hurd was Senior Coordinator at USDA's National Poultry Improvement Plan, managing the administration of the NPIP programs on a national scale. She also recently joined the Board of Directors of the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research and holds the distinction of also being the very first guest on Meeting Pod back in 2020. Thank you for joining us again today, Denise. Thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you. Now, U.S. Poultry and the U.S. Poultry Foundation again supported a large roster of research projects in 2022, as the organization has done for years. Can you give our listeners a snapshot of the top three projects that moved the fastest into actual utilization on the grower level or among poultry plants? Yeah, so U.S. Poultry funded approximately 14 research projects in 2022. The average timeline for completion of most projects ranged from one to two years. So the projects funded in 2022 won't actually produce any findings to share with the industry for about a year or two. But with that said, there were three projects that were funded that the industry will be anxious to uncover the findings of, and I'll share those with you. The first one was titled Assessing the Physiological Stressors Due to Injection of Nitrogen During Ventilation Shutdown Plus Heat for Depopulation of Laying Hens. So timely depopulation is one of the most critical control measures to contain a highly pathogenic avian influenza outbreak. And nitrogen is readily available and it's not an irritant and it can also be an alternative depopulation method which has not been documented. We have previously here at U.S. Poultry funded projects to evaluate ventilation shutdown, ventilation shutdown plus heat, ventilation shutdown plus carbon dioxide, and also ventilation shutdown plus changes in relative humidity. So this project will potentially provide additional science-based information on nitrogen as a method for emergency mass depopulation for the ABMA, USDA, and the industry to review. Another project funded was titled Developing a Multi-Species Bacterial Vaccine for Protection Against Bacterial Chondronecrosis with Osteomyelitis Lameness for Broilers. Broiler chicken lameness caused by BCO is one of the top economic and animal welfare issues facing the poultry industry today. This particular study aims to develop a vaccine which can reduce the financial and health impact of BCO lameness on the poultry industry. The hypothesis is that a multi-species vaccine will result in greater than 50% reduction of BCO-induced lameness. This would be an excellent benefit for the poultry industry and could significantly curtail BCO outbreaks. 
And the third study that I'll share was the evaluation of non-enrichment versus enriched based salmonella quantification approaches in raw poultry samples. So a couple months ago, the USDA Food Safety and Inspection Services announced that they would begin to consider breaded, stuffed raw chicken products to be adulterated when they exceed a very low level of salmonella contamination. FSIS is proposing to set the limit at one colony forming unit or CFU of salmonella per gram for these products. While multiple commercially available enrichment and non-enrichment-based salmonella quantification methods have been developed to support the industry efforts to reduce the public health impact of salmonella and raw poultry products, these methods are specifically designed to determine the concentration of salmonella in raw poultry products so that producers can use the concentration data to take appropriate action about the disposition of their products. However, there is currently no publicly available data that shows the equivalency of these salmonella quantification approaches to help producers decide which method to use for testing. Thus, the objective of this study is to subject routine turkey and chicken samples to salmonella quantification testing with three different commercially available methods to provide side-by-side real-world data for evaluation of method equivalency. That's very timely considering the USDA's recent announcement. Thank you for bringing that up. Now that we're all a few steps away from the severe consequences of COVID-19, What are some of the central research areas that have become inevitably important to investigate for the continuity of business for processors as COVID moves, theoretically, to the endemic stage from being a pandemic nearly three years ago? There's more emphasis now on robotics, automation, and artificial intelligence. There were times when farm and processing plant workers were at home sick and the birds did not stop growing just because there wasn't enough staff to take care of them and process them, thus devising new technological methods that would allow processing plants to run a wider range of bird weights within the same processing facility during a crisis or emergency like COVID is definitely a priority. And I'll also add that determining additional automation and robotic capabilities on farm as well as in processing plants from the arrival of live birds through to packaging and dispatch is also very vital. Terrific. Now, the food safety issue is one that can only be contained versus eliminated, in part because of the complexity of how chickens are raised and the aspects of specific breeds. Have there been any recent practical tactics that have helped improve prevention of contamination on farms or at the plant in terms of salmonella or campylobacter? That's a very good question. The U.S. Poultry Research Program has consistently funded projects each competition in the area of food safety, and we have an abundance of active research and finalized research that I can share with you today, but I fear we won't have enough time for all of it. As a result, here are a few teasers. So I'll begin with a project which was titled Use of Comparative Genomics and an In Vitro Screening Approach for the Identification of Vaccine Candidates for 
foodborne pathogen Campylobacter jejuni. Researchers used an innovative strategy to combine a reverse vaccinology and in vitro infection model screening approach to successfully identify three novel vaccine candidates. The data obtained from this study may guide the industry to develop effective vaccines to reduce Campylobacter colonization in poultry and enhance the safety of poultry products. The outcomes could also help reduce the concern for human health and economic burden incurred by Campylobacter jejuni infection. Another very interesting completed project actually profiled salmonella serotypes through broiler processing. And as some background on this project, we all know that the gold standard for salmonella detection on broiler carcasses is a culture-based protocol that includes several steps and takes multiple days to complete. Traditional salmonella isolation at a minimum takes four to five days and reducing this time may be beneficial. Some of the limitations of the culture-based protocol include only the most abundant serotypes are detected and those in the minority remain masked. Also, selective enrichment introduces bias and some serovars may outcompete others. Salmonella in live production often exists in mixed serotype populations, and these mixed populations are not realized when only one or two colonies are picked off of a plate for surveillance, as is done with salmonella monitoring in pre- and post-harvest poultry. Therefore, it's a challenge to assess the complexity of serotypes entering the processing plant and subsequently which serotypes are able to persist on a carcass through different processing interventions. The results provided a potential alternative method for salmonella culturing, which reduces the time required for salmonella isolation. And further, the serotype population analysis by CRISPR seroseq provides a new framework for monitoring salmonella populations during processing. And then one more teaser. Last summer, we funded a salmonella risk assessment because there is a push to change the approaches used to minimize salmonella transmission to humans from raw poultry, including the likely introduction of new FSIS regulatory policies and a push for enhanced interventions on the live bird level. So rational changes to salmonella controls require appropriate risk assessments using current representative industry data and input. This project meets this need with a formal risk assessment for salmonella and raw poultry that will assess the impact on public health of different interventions and possible standards with strong involvement of the U.S. poultry industry through an industry advisory council. Funding this project really assures that appropriate data are used to develop future approaches for salmonella control in poultry and also assure active involvement of the poultry industry as salmonella regulations are modified. Now, U.S. poultry supported a planned study in 2022 on the vaccination of turkeys. Since several factors had a serious impact on the U.S. turkey supply this year, did the research uncover any practical strategies specifically for turkey growers and processors that may help them have a more sustained 2023? Yes, that's another good question. And I believe the plan study was in response to the salmonella rating outbreak in the turkey industry from 2017 to 2019. 
Well, because a single turkey product nor common supplier of turkey products were identified as the source of the outbreak, it has been proposed that the rapid and uniform introduction and transmission of this emergent Salmonella Redding outbreak strain occurred vertically in commercial turkey production. Thus, the turkey industry could and would benefit from cross-protective intervention strategies to control for emerging salmonella outbreak isolates to reduce the burden of human illness and industry costs due to product recalls and plant closures. Currently, vaccination against the human foodborne pathogen salmonella is the primary pre-harvest intervention strategy administered in turkey production with the AVPRO Megan egg vaccine used in breeder flocks and an autogenous vaccine employed in live production. In this project, a live attenuated vaccine with genetic mutations that produces an immune response that is cross-protective against diverse salmonella serotypes invented by researchers will be compared to the AVPRO Megan egg vaccine and assessed in turkey challenge models for reduction of salmonella redding outbreak isolate. This project has already been completed and the results will be published in the coming week, so stay tuned. Terrific. Now, with animal welfare and food safety as priorities in poultry research, are there any other underlying topics that U.S. poultry may become involved in over the next 12 months? Yes, absolutely. So animal welfare and food safety research remains top priorities, yet our research program focuses on so many other areas of need within the industry. A few of the other high priority areas include poultry diseases, environmental management, nutrition, processing, hatchery management, breeder and meat bird management, and also commercial egg production. And now we'll take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, Lindy. Lindy is pleased to sponsor this podcast. As an industrial gas equipment and engineering provider to the food processing industry, Lindy's cryogenic liquid nitrogen and liquefied carbon dioxide gases provide precise temperature control in several areas on the processing floor. Cooling, chilling, and freezing of food products, whether they are raw, marinated, or cooked, helps maintain inherent product quality, moisture, taste, and appearance. Browse our dedicated food industry site at www.lindyfood.com. And now back to today's podcast. Okay, let's turn to the proverbial elephant in the bird world for 2022, highly pathogenic avian influenza. With no break in HBAI outbreaks, even with the arrival of warmer weather this summer, has the issue taken a more imperative place in terms of research programs under consideration by scientists who may seek U.S. poultry funding? Yes, it has. So several months ago, U.S. Poultry issued a specific request for proposals under our board research initiative program to address newly evolved research questions from the 2022 HPAI outbreak. Some of those questions to address included developing methods to effectively reduce viral shedding from houses affected with HPAI prior to and after depopulation, the development of new methods to quickly and humanely depopulate caged layers, broilers, and turkeys following an HPAI outbreak, evaluating the risk of virus spread during mortality pickup and transportation from one site to the other, 
also evaluating improvements in biosecurity protocols, such as barn entry methods to reduce the introduction of HPAI virus to a flock, and many other research questions. And what types of research projects is your sector of U.S. poultry looking for over the next year in terms of other specific trend lines? I really can't say that there's a specific trend. Any and all new and emerging diseases and our list of research priorities, which is found on the U.S. Poultry website, are all evaluated throughout the year during each of our competitions. So again, I can't say that there's a specific trend. It's just whatever research is needed at the time, in addition to our ongoing applied research. Of course. And finally, let's raise the curtain on the upcoming International Production and Processing Expo, IPPE, which is scheduled to launch in Atlanta on January 24th. Since U.S. Poultry organizes this annual event along with the American Feed Industry Association and the North American Meat Institute, can you give our listeners a preview of the types of programs that will make their debut in the 2023 event? Yes, so we're really looking forward to seeing everyone in Atlanta on January 24th through 26th for the IPPE. For those that may not be aware, IPPE is comprised of actually three trade shows, the International Poultry Expo, the International Feed Expo, and the International Meat Expo, sponsored by the U.S. Poultry and Egg Association, the American Feed Industry Association, and the North American Meat Institute. And I'm excited to say that the International Poultry Expo will be celebrated 75 years of trade show service this January. But on to the 2023 IPPE. It will include daily educational programs and workshops that will be led by industry experts with educational content offered Monday through Friday. Kicking off Expo Week, the education program schedule will include the International Poultry Scientific Forum, the Latin American Poultry Summit, and the ever-popular Pet Food Conference. The 2023 IPPE will also include new educational programs such as the Foreign Material Prevention and Control Workshop, which we encourage participation in. Let's see what else do we have. In addition, there will be several attendee activities and networking opportunities available, including the welcome reception that will be held on the trade show at the Georgia World Congress Center, the tech talks, the new product showcase, as well as the networking lounges on the show floor. And I would be remiss if I did not mention that IPPE is about more than the current state of our industries, it's also about the future. Approximately 700 students will be participating in the U.S. Poultry Foundation College Student Career Program, interviewing for employment and or internships during the expo. The Ph.D. and Veterinarian Career Program Fair will also be offered. In addition, the top 12 teams of the National FFA Poultry Evaluation Career Development Event and the Food Science and Technology Career Development Event, along with the National FFA Officer Candidates, are invited to the 2023 IPPE as part of the U.S. Poultry Foundation's efforts to support recruitment and training of the brightest students and to promote careers in the poultry and egg industry. That sounds very exciting, Denise. Thank you so much for sharing your insights on U.S. Poultry and IPPE with our Meeting Pod listeners. Thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure. And thanks to our listeners for joining us for Meeting Pod today. Come back every Monday for more insights on the ins and outs of the meat processing industry. And be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
And be sure to follow Meeting Place Adult Meat Magazines on social media and visit our websites, meetingplace.com and alt-meat.net. Until next time. And thank you to today's episode sponsor, Lindy. Remember to tune in on Mondays to get the inside track on the people and the processes that drive the protein industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Meeting Place and Alt Meat Magazines on social media, and be sure to visit our websites at meetingplace.com and altmeat.net. Thank you.